Local news. Sometimes it's hard to identify. Sometimes you know what it is right when you see it. But how is news gathered, crafted, and delivered? When a local TV station puts together a story that lasts a couple minutes, there is a process. But sometimes that process is more interesting than the story itself. We're going to tell you the behind the scenes little nuggets that don't make it to TV. We are bringing you the people on the front lines in the action in a different light. This is Jay Wallace. Welcome to KVU Off the Airwaves. A news story doesn't just happen on its own. It requires a clear purpose, research, dedication, and some reputable sources. Now that last piece, that's not just something that's handed out when you walk into a newsroom and get an assignment. Getting a good source requires reputability on our end as reporters. It requires trust. Sources not only need to know who you are and how you handle sensitive information, but also your integrity as a journalist. Today, I talk with veteran KVU and Austin American Statesman reporter Tony Plahetsky to break down how he establishes great sources and why they are a key part to his stories. Tony Plahetsky, thank you for joining me this morning. I appreciate you stopping by. Before we talk about what you do here at KVU, I want to know what got you into journalism in the first place. Why did you even decide to make this your career? You know, I tell people sometimes that I, I believe I came out of the womb reporting the news. And early on, um, unfortunately for my older sister, she was often the topic of some of my reporting, which flowed directly to my parents. I'm Um, assuming she wasn't a fan of that. She was not a fan (laughs) of that. I think they call those tattletales. I was doing that very early um, in life. But really, by the time I was 13 years old, I had developed a real interest in the media, both newspapers, television, and radio. And I went to my hometown local newspaper in Tylertown, Mississippi, a little small town, population 1900. And I actually started working for the newspaper when I was 13 years old. And I did a number of things. I had my own column, and I would write about... um, teen activities in the community, but I also did hard news. I covered, you know, the city council, uh, the county board of supervisors. I did a number of things, but coincidentally, in addition to that, the newspaper and the radio station were co-owned and co-managed. So along with my newspaper duties, I also had a shift at the radio station, too, where um, we would play country music. We also had, this was long before the days of uh, of Craigslist, but we <laughs> had a live show on the air called The Trading Post where people could call in and say, you know, they had whatever for sale, be it, and I'm not kidding, a farm animal or a household appliance. Good old and, Mississippi. A good old Mississippi. And so people would buy, sell, trade, or give away live on the air. So I had a dual role that I really kept all through high school. Then I went to college and and studied journalism at Ole Miss and then moved to Texas when I um, was barely 22 years old in the year 2000. You mentioned doing the dual role with the newspaper and the radio. That's right. Yeah, and so my career has come full circle I was now. about to say, and now you're kind of doing a dual role with the statesman, Austin American statesman, and KVU. How did right. that formulate? How did that even, how did that idea come to be? So KVU and the statesman for many years have had um, a, a, 
had a fairly loose partnership. Uh-huh. There were things that they traded um, and, and things that they did to cross-promote each other. Right. But in 2013, my interest in working in television really intensified, particularly as the newspaper continued to, you know, the newspaper industry continued to go through what has continued to be a real flux. And so I thought, you know, I would like to expand what I do and how I do it. At that point, I had also made a a pretty clear decision that I wanted to make Austin my home and not go to New York or Los Angeles, Chicago, D.C. And so I was looking for ways that I could really expand and continue to grow my career. And so both sides, both the Statesman and KVU, kind of came up with this idea where I would essentially work for both and that the reporting that I do for one could be shared with the other. Tony, you have to be honest with me. Do you like TV or the newspaper better? Which one do you like better? I tell people that that would be like asking someone to pick their favorite child. Mm. And I said that to someone recently, a friend, and she's like, oh, that's easy. I could totally do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like both. Um, Certainly, I think... The newspaper uh, revolution and and the push to digital, which television is doing that too, has been very, very interesting. You know, there are aspects of the newspaper that I love um, and, and I appreciate that kind of storytelling, but I also love television too. And particularly and we saw this with the the bombing coverage back in mm-hmm. March right. and that is i still think when there is huge news breaking people still turn to television and so there is a certain reach that i think television can have that maybe newspaper digitally doesn't have sure. but but i i love both Sources tell me it's not multiple law enforcement sources this morning. However, sources say My sources are telling me that I am told by law enforcement sources that uh, authorities found. You know, one of the most common phrases people know in journalism and they see it on TV and in the movies, sources say. Right. Right. It's the that common phrase um, that people know all too well. How would you describe if you had to just give a quick description of how sourcing works just in general? What would you tell people? So sources, as I define them, Mm -hmm. are people who are truly in the know, who are trustworthy, and perhaps most importantly, have access to information, firsthand access, people who don't hear it in the hallway at work, but who instead are actually sitting in the room when the decision is getting made, or people who have firsthand knowledge who are not just basing it on rumors. And one of the things that I really hold dear is that in almost all circumstances where we use sources, particularly anonymous sources, there are multiple people who corroborate the same information. Mm -hmm. Generally, we have the rule of three. And, And yeah, so you want people who have independent knowledge of something who are able to confirm that with each other. And I feel like that is something that is really useful. But a lot of people say, well, how can you be an aggressive reporter at times and worry about alienating sources? And I do think that that is something that does get considered 
along the way. And one of the things that I always just try to do with people I cover is to be very fair and very upfront with them. And if there's a story that they may not like, I try to convey that to them, that this is not going to be the most fun thing you'll, you'll ever you'll ever read or see. I try to be really transparent about what ground I'm going to be covering in the story so that the person is not caught off guard. And what I have found over the years is that if you are that way and if people feel as though their point of view or their perspective, their side of the story has been heard, when the story does come out, either again, you know, in print, digitally or on the air, they at least feel as though they were fairly treated. And right. I have found that through the years that really has helped in maintaining connections to people. Now, this is from the perspective of the sources. From your perspective, You've been able to obviously establish a decent um, respectability in terms of people will come to you with information. How do you actually build up that dependability and that trustworthiness to where people are willing to come to you? How do you even start doing that when you came here at 22? You didn't live here all your life. And how do you even start that? So I started as a baby reporter covering Williamson County in 2000. Round Rock was a little small town. And one of the things that I just tried to do was get out in the community. I think it's important for sources to see you when you're not necessarily walking up to them with your hand out. Sure. That you're not just coming to them when you want something or need just something. Just as a person. But that it really is about a relationship, a connection, and and trust. I mean, that's the key, really, is trust. Can they tell you something? Will you treat the information with the sensitivity that it deserves? And I think that over the years, hopefully, I've been able to establish that with most people right. who, who I interact with. That's not always the case. I mean, there are always going to be people who don't trust the media, who don't like reporters, who don't like me personally or, or other <laughs> reporters personally. Sure. I mean, that that can happen. But again, I do find that if you are being upfront and transparent and fair and clear and accurate over the years, and I do want to point out that is one thing that I have in my favor. I've been a reporter here for 18 years. And so there is a certain longevity that goes along and comes into play. I mean, it's in a business. It's constantly changed. There's constant change, There's a constant change. And I also think that there can be churn among reporters, too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. people are, you know, often kind of wanting to move on to the next place. And that Austin has been sort of a a training ground or, or, you know, a stepping stone. A stepping stone. Exactly. And I find that people want to engage with someone who has a certain knowledge of the city, a historical perspective. and, And I think that that has worked to my benefit. You mentioned what sources are. How do you decide someone comes to you for the first time? They haven't been a source before. What goes through your mind? What is your decision process like in deciding if they are a credible source? If you can trust that they don't have an underlying motive, that they're not trying to shape something for you, and they're giving you good information. Let's talk about that. People all the time will say, well, they're just coming to you because they have a personal agenda or a personal motive. Here's the deal. I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Every source has a motive. And I feel like as reporters, while it's interesting to understand what their motive may be, our job is to suss out whether or not this is actual news. That's on your end. That's on our okay. end. And 
I don't get caught up in people's agendas, you know, people's motives. My job is to determine whether or not this is a news story, an investigative story. And yes, everyone has an agenda, but we can't really get sucked into that. We just have to suss out whether or not what they're telling us is accurate and factual. And of course, verify what they are telling us, not with, with the one, three, but like with multiple, saying. exactly, but right. with multiple people. Have you ever been given wrong information from a source? Sure, that yeah. can happen, but that is, that's part of the process. And that's you why know? you do that. You know, one of the things that has happened before that I have found interesting is that people will try to discredit the information even though it's accurate. I actually got some documents one time that someone tried to convince me were fake documents. And they were not fake documents. But it was all a ploy to try to get me to not report the story. There's an agenda for you there. And and guess what? We reported the story. you reported it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And guess what? The documents were, were factual. Is there ever a situation where you get to a point and you realize you're going to have to reveal that source. Is there a situation out there where that would be the case? Or is there always that level of understanding that with what you do, you have to keep them anonymous? But where, so would there be a situation? Yeah, that's that frankly can get thorny. And, and let me also just say, using anonymous sources is the least optimum approach. You always want people to be named and on the record. That is how it really should work. Having said that, mm-hmm. there are exceptions to that rule. When someone has information and the public right to know or the public's need to know can supersede them being on the record. And that is when we start looking to use anonymous sources. Right. But that is not the starting place. Right. That is not right. where we, we begin. And the truth is I try to rarely use anonymous sources. I think that that, um, the public is more inclined to believe what they are seeing or hearing or reading. Especially in today's climate, right? Especially in today's climate, if the person is is named. So that's not really a starting point. Having said that, there have been times in my career when we have absolutely used anonymous sources, and I have done it at times when the information was particularly inflammatory. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, again, those are situations where the public... I believe, really had had the need to know and, and often the right to know. Then once that happens, yes, there have been times when I've had to have really clear and honest conversations with people who frankly may be giving me something um, that could put their job at risk or even a couple of times in my career where it was a crime. They were doing something that was a crime. And then we have to have the question about, well, if I am ever ordered by a judge, um, what is your expectation? Mm -hmm. Could I reveal your identity at that point? Or um, is your expectation that I will go to my grave never telling where I got this information. And I've had to make some personal decisions and really calculate the risk. Over the years, I cannot think of a time where I did not report the information because of the possibility of being commanded by a judge, ordered by a judge to give up that information. Does any specific situation or story come to mind? One was... 
this is back maybe eight years ago, nine mm-hmm. years ago, eight years ago, um, there was a controversial police shooting that had happened. Neighbors screamed and cursed at police in defense of slain teen Nathaniel Sanders. At one point, they chanted, no justice, no peace. Police Chief Art Acevedo says the officer fired several times. He would not say how many. The shooting at the Walnut Creek Apartments prompted anger from hundreds who gathered, demanding answers. And the city commissioned an outside report of the of the shooting. It was called the Keystone, I believe, was okay. the name of the company mm-hmm. that did the report. But the report, this independent report, was basically being kept in a safe. I mean, it was under a lock and key, wow. under a federal protective order. And I was able to receive that report and able to report from that document. And there was a concern that we might be ordered to sure. tell um, how we got it. That fortunately did not happen. How about this? Have you ever gotten information that you've had to discuss with yourself, whether it be morally, ethically, whatever it may be? Do I even have a right or should I report this? Or is there always, is it always like the public's right to have this information? Do you ever feel like, is this even my right to report it? How about oh, that? Oh, absolutely. That happens, frankly, on a semi-regular basis, yeah. you know. I answer the question generally this way. Our job is to report. I mean, that is what we are in the business of doing. And so I think that as journalists, we should have a bias toward reporting. (laughs) That does not mean that the reporting is without consequence or that it may, frankly, not to sound too weighty here, change the trajectory of a person's life. I mean, that literally does happen. And so I think that we have to be very considerate of that and weigh that. Sometimes we hold off. Mm -hmm. That does happen. But again, I think as journalists, we have to start from a place of we're here to report. How often do sources get upset with you? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they do. You try to, again, head that off from from that by being really upfront and fair and giving them... Before anything's even released. Exactly. Before the story has been released. But there are times that... People simply don't understand why something is a story or why you're moving forward with that. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I never will forget, I was doing a story on an Austin City official, this was several years ago, who kept saying, I don't understand why this is a story. I don't understand why this was a story. Yeah. And finally, I just said, maybe you'll understand when you read it. Yeah. <laughs> the person did not understand. They still <laughs> no, that understand. never understood. But, right, but that right. can happen. Why do you think people choose to be sources? That's a very good question, and I think that there can be a range. You know, some people just like to be seen as someone in the know, mm-hmm. so they feel as though if they have access to a reporter or that they can push a story out into the public, then it's satisfying to them in some way. But there are also people who really are trying to right a wrong. They see something that is amiss in a government organization that they feel is only going to get corrected with a little light 
on it from the media, that can happen as well. I also think that there are some people who work in the government, um, government agencies, who feel as though, look, we are doing the public's work and the public truly does have a right to know what we're up to, how we're doing our business. And so they believe in in getting their message out there. What is the greatest value in your eyes in having this established and that people know they can come to you if um, they have a piece of information they feel needs to get out there? Well, it is a foundation of our democracy. I mean, I think that that is number one. I do believe that in order for government to perform at its best and for officials to perform at their best, they really should know and understand that there's a watchdog component that is going on in the community. There is an accountability that there are journalists out there who maybe are holding their feet to the fire and really trying to understand what is going on and how they're doing our their business. Unfortunately, while there is a lot of value in social media, social media and people on social media generally are not doing that kind of research. They're Absolutely. not doing requests to try to get information that the public is entitled to under the law. They may be sharing information, which is great, but here's the reality. It's got to start somewhere. And I think that we are in an age when more than ever, we need good journalists and good journalism out there. We need people who will track down the facts, verify the facts, and report the facts. It is a reality that our economic situation continues to be in flux and maybe will be, particularly for newspapers. But at the same time, um, I have felt always that journalism is a noble profession, that it is a profession that really is a public service job and that we are performing a public service. We're giving people information that they need to know about their lives. And I think that I, for me personally, I can't think of anything else that's more important for me to do with my career and with, with my life. Well, Tony, I know it'll be sooner than later, but I'll look forward to the next story you break. Thank you. Your next big Thank story. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming by. Absolutely. Hey, if you like what you heard on KB Off the Airwaves, check out our daily newscasts. Daybreak from 4.30 to 7, midday at 11, KVU News at 5 and 6, the night beat at 10, and anytime on KVU.com. I had someone who called me from a blot to number multiple times who claimed to have information that I would be very interested in, they, and they described what it was. I'm not going to say what it was. This has been some years ago, but still in the interest of protecting the source. Fair enough. And this person said, I would like to meet you and get you this information. And he wouldn't tell me who he was. And we agreed to meet in a public place. And this guy walked up to me. I had never seen him before or since, for that matter. And he was wearing a backpack. Oh, boy. And he said, are you Tony? And I said, yes. And he fishes in the backpack. And he plops a file on the coffee, on the table at this coffee shop I was at. And he said, I'm going to be here. You can't have access to, you can't take this document with you, but you can read it and take notes from it for as long as you want. 
The file is, in fact, something that I desperately had been trying to see. It was very much a protected, classified document. And for an hour, I sat there and took notes while he stood outside and smoked, I don't know how many cigarettes. He was this clearly like nervous. This synopsis for a Netflix documentary. I know, I know. And then he came back in when I was done. I folded the file. I gave it back to him. I'm telling you, I'd never seen that man before, and I've never seen him since. I have no idea who it was, no idea how he got his hands on this information, but he did. And um, I was able to, in fact, verify what he had given me was authentic or allowed me to view was, in fact, authentic. And the rest is history. So it does still happen. Yes. You know, it's not just uh, deep throat from, from the Watergate exactly era. what I was thinking. It does still happen. <laughs> 